guys, welcome to Never Forgotten Moments in History. I am your host, Kimberly Klubine, and today we are going to be talking about Nat Turner. Nat Turner was an African-American slave who was known as a preacher and a prophet in the 1800s. Nat Turner was born in 1800 in Southampton County, Virginia. Turner's slave owner was Benjamin Turner. Um, he died in 1810, and at the time of Benjamin Turner's death, Benjamin Turner's son Samuel inherited Nat Turner as his property. Um, Nat Turner was an American slave who led a large slave scale rebellion in hopes to end the system on slavery. In doing so, Turner would take on the yoke that Christ had borne to bring the freedom to man. When Christ came to the world, he came to take away the sin of man. And with that, Turner found his purpose. He found he had the same objective in his life, and Nat Turner spent his life preparing himself for the rebellion he would lead against the white oppressors. Nat Turner set out to kill any white person, including women and children, that he came across during the insurrection. Turner felt that he would bring redemption and equality to mankind, and that he was chosen by God to fulfill the prophecy he received from God. Nat Turner didn't want to leave this world an anonymous man, and he wanted his testimony to change lives and make a difference in equality in America. Turner wanted to be loud and clear through the rebellion and what it truly meant for black slaves. God spoke to Nat Turner and gave him signs through nature, telling him he should fulfill his legacy and purpose for his people. Throughout this um, podcast episode, I am going to be using um, different sources that I have used for my research on this topic with Nat Turner. If I quote something directly from someone else, I will um, mention the source from that in quotations verbally. Otherwise, everything is in my own words, unless I say otherwise. And But I will put my sources that I have used for this research in my show notes for this podcast. So if you want to know any more information on this or kind of see, you know, where I found this research and look up more about Nat Turner, you are capable of looking at my show notes and looking at that source and looking it up and, you know, doing what you want with it to see if you can learn more from it. Um, early in life, Nat Turner knew the groundwork that God had laid before him that undoubtedly had a fatal ending for the black and white race. Turner had the opportunity to learn how to read and write at a young age, and with those skills, he studied the Bible. Nat Turner, having religious freedom and him knowing how to read and write, was seen as a danger to white slave owners. He spent a lot of his free time reading Bibles, fasting, and praying. Slaves that shared the same master as Turner had the idea that he could be a prophet with how well he described events prior to his birth. Turner would see things he thought were messages from God to become a preacher and a prophet. Nat Turner ran the most successful slave rebellion, and what I mean by successful is that he successfully killed white slave owners and their families. He failed in his successes by leading his men to their death by hanging after they were captured and arrested. Turner wasn't able to bring those people to freedom, but I think Turner still felt like he did what he needed to do, even if bad things happened. 
Although Turner did contribute to changes that were eventually made with slavery, the whites hoped to confine Turner's significance from the world, especially from other slaves, but that didn't work. Abolitionists at the time spoke of Nat Turner and their speeches all over the world. Frederick Douglass mentioned Turner many times in his speeches throughout the years and said that this was why slavery needed to end. People of different races other than whites that live in America today are free because of some of the efforts that Nat Turner had succeeded in. Nat Turner was a preacher and had preached the gospel since he was 15 years old. He was ministering to the black population. So the slaves knew there was something else to life than just being a slave. Nat Turner felt that God placed him where he did in life so that he could make a difference for the black slaves. Turner was a leader. And what's, that, what's a leader to do? They make a difference and they take a stand for their people and for something that's important to them. The gospel was what inspired Turner's rebellion. He wanted to fulfill God's plan by starting a rebellion against white slave owners to free all slaves and fight for equality of his people. Turner felt like he was born as a prophet of God. With so many black slaves telling him he was a prophet, he decided that that was the direction he was meant to follow. Turner prepared for the insurrection by living his life, praying, and learning the Bible. He wanted to learn each passage in the Bible and reasoning and the reasoning behind it in hopes he would shed light on his purpose. He spent lots of time away from the other slaves to read the Bible, and he was one of the only slaves that would fast due to a religion while in slavery. Turner did what he did because God spoke to him and told him this was his testimony in life. Turner didn't want to die an anonymous man, so he carefully planned and recruited four men from the plantation to help him start planning and getting ready for the insurrection. Turner had a great relationship with his masters, both Benjamin Turner and Samuel Turner, also with Travis Joseph, which is where he was working at the time of the insurrection. He was working on Joseph Travis's farm. Turner did run away when he was 21 years old, and he ran away for 30 days before he came back. He was a leader, and he needed to act for his people, and he couldn't do that unless he was there. He was the man to lead the charge, and he didn't want to let his people down. Turner had a lot of freedom to, to preach the gospel to other slaves, and he was allowed to preach to other slaves outside the church, but wasn't allowed to go inside the church. Turner knew how to read and write, but he never knew how he gained this rare skill. People think he took classes with Benjamin T Turner's children when he was little, but most likely along with John Clark Turner. This is why people think Turner avoided John Clark Turner's farm and didn't harm them during the insurrection. Turner was a well-liked person growing up. When he ran away when he was 21 years old, Benjamin Turner, whom was his slave master, knew he would come back. Turner did return within 30 days, and there was no record of a runaway poster or any information that led people to believe that he was missing. The master probably knew Turner would come back because his wife lived on the farm where Turner was enslaved. Turner also had a good relationship with his slave owner, so I think he knew him well enough to think he would return. Turner was put in charge as an overseer at the farm he was enslaved at, so this shows that he was well-liked and trusted, which is very important. Turner had full commitment to reach his plans that God had laid out for him. Turner believed he was chosen by God, and he was given various 
visions of human beings that were both black and white without chains. This told him there would be equality for all in the future. And to Turner, this was the plan God had for him. He was following what he had been shown and what changes would come for the black slaves. Turner's role model was Jesus Christ. His mother even told him he had great purpose in life. He indulged himself into the scriptures and meanings behind them. Turner said he would rise up and kill the oppressors with their own weapons. Nat Turner always carried a passage from the Bible with him that was from the book of Matthew. In quotations here, Seek ye the kingdom of heaven, and all things shall be added to you. Matthew 6, 33. Okay. Turner understood that the kingdom that he was in was the kingdom of white men because white men ruled over the blacks. He was set out to change this and remove the chains from all black slaves. Slaves were treated like animals, and white slave masters didn't want slaves to be able to outsmart them on any level. Anything a slave learned how to do besides work was seen as a great threat against them in a way they might escape their reign. White men had the power over the black population, and Turner set out to free every black slave, not just himself. Turner's main point to his insurrection was that slavery needed to end. He believed that black slaves were also God's people. God's children should have the same freedom as the white race. Turner was fighting for equality, equal religious rights, and complete freedom on this earth. Learning to read and write to navigate their way through the world on their terms. To have the same opportunities that should be laid before them as it was for the whites. Nat Turner claimed he had a sign from God through the singular appearance of the sun that it was time to start the insurrection. A general of Southampton County made a statement at the time of the pursuit for Turner. He stated that Turner should realize how the only thing that he accomplished during his insurrection was making all the slaves in the county look even more ignorant. The general couldn't figure out how Turner thought he could have stood a chance against the 66th and 96th regiments that were assembled and intelligent. Nat Turner knew that the white people would fail at first to realize what their rebellion meant and that this was a fight for liberty. Slaves were crying out for equality and freedom. Turner meant for this to be loud and clear. It certainly got their attention, and they wanted to ask him questions about why the monstrous chaos had occurred. Nat Turner quoted this, in quote, The person who does not do his master's will shall be flawed with many stripes. In quotations. This was Turner's using this was Turner using the Bible to justify his actions because his heavenly master Jesus Christ told him to do this. Anything that Turner did in his life, he used passages from the Bible to explain his behavior. He believed that if it were in the Bible that he could twist anything to make it sound like it was acceptable. Looking in from the outside, it didn't seem to be reasonable sense make reasonable sense for some of the things he justified with passages. The murders Nat Turner committed with his fellow accomplices was horrific and gruesome. This isn't something that people would see as being okay with God or an act of doing God's work on earth. He felt at the time that this was his only way to rebel and fight for liberty for his people. Nat Turner had reached his breaking point, and I imagine after being treated this horrible for so long that he didn't care what he had to do, he was bound to make his point. For Turner, this was the only way. 
And if you think about it, being in his shoes in that time period, maybe he was right. White people to him and other slaves were murderers. And even white children who were looked at as people that would grow up to do the same thing their folks have done, which is own slaves. The whites told stories of the Bible as if it didn't pertain to black people, but only white folks. The white man would say that the Bible only speaks for white men because slaves are not considered people. Slaves are just a number in a warm body to make slave owners money doing things their slaves are too lazy to do. Nat Turner's main goal was to get to Jerusalem because that is where the militia stored their weapons and ammo. There was rifles, cannons, gunpowder, and things that they could use for defense if they became outnumbered by the white men. Nat Turner started his rebellion with four men alongside him. As Turner moved through the countryside, he gathered and recruited other slaves into his group. After the rebels killed Joseph Travis and his family, they quickly made it through the countryside, killing whites and adding slaves to their ranks. By Monday, August 22, 1831, they had killed nearly five dozen whites, including men, women, and children. This was the first slave rebellion that so many whites had died by a slave revolt in such little time. When Monday morning arrived, Turner's army had suffered their first defeat in a battle at James Parker Farm. The next morning, the local white men had secured and killed some of Turner's army. Over the next week, whites had captured or killed the remaining slaves except Turner. Turner was nowhere to be found, and two months went by, and there was no sign of him. In October, Nat Turner was seen close to his starting point, location of the insurrection. He was caught shortly after, on October 31, 1831. They brought Turner into the jail in Jerusalem, which was the county seat of Southampton County at the time of his capture. Thomas R. Gray, a white lawyer who was part of the defense in Turner's case, which was also the defense of other accused rebels. Gray interviewed Turner while he was in jail awaiting trial. Shortly after Gray released the confessions of Nat Turner as a unique narrative, this may be one of the most significant pieces of work on slavery written by a slave. The fact that this information published in the slaveholding South is a rare piece of evidence for blacks during slavery. On November 6, 1831, Nat Turner appeared in court. He was charged with a conspiring to rebel, in quotations, conspiring to rebel and make insurrections, end quote. The court was never in doubt of what Turner had done, and he was hanged on November 11, 1831. The confessions written by Nat Turner was hard to read and to still think he was a man of God. He wrote details of what he and his army had done to the white families. Turner mentions how he was staying with Master Joseph Travis the night of the insurrection. He mentions how Travis was always good to him and he had no complaints of the treatments he had received from Travis. He felt that Travis had the greatest confidence in him and he was a good master. Turner states in his confessions that he did start with Travis' family that night, killing all five family members. The four that started out with Turner that night were Henry, Hark, Nelson, and Sam. He called Nelson Will during his confessions, so it was probably a middle name that he went by. Before they left the Travis residence, they wanted to make sure they had enough force to protect themselves and to be able to kill on the spot. They gathered four guns two old muskets, and two pounds of gunpowder from the Travis residence. 
they agreed that no age or gender would be spared life during the insurrection. He killed the Travis family in their sleep while they were in bed, and the only one that woke for a moment was Mr. Travis. Turner talks about how Travis only spoke for a f- spoke a few words before he was killed with an axe. Even the baby that Travis's had in the cradle was murdered in its sleep. They tried it to be as quiet as possible so they wouldn't have to fight or chase any of the white men. So, after the first five killings, they met at a nearby barn to celebrate, and Turner mentions how his army was calling him their master. When they approached Mrs. Reese's house, they shot her in bed while she slept. Her son awoke to see what was going on, and after a few words out of his mouth, he was shot where he stood. The gruesome killing of Mrs. Margaret that night also, as she fled from her home in fear, and Turner struck her in the head with an axe. As you can see, a lot of these are very, like, gory and just horrible ways to die, and just very gruesome and bloody. Um, Very... He was very angry. He had a lot of aggression. He was taken out on these people for what had happened to him all these years. He was truly trying to make a point with the way that he killed these people. Um, Turner says that after she fell down, he killed her by hitting her head on a fence railing. Turner's army began dividing as they got bigger. The reason that they did this was because they were able to kill more people by dividing and going separate directions and then meeting back up. That way they could kill more people uh, throughout the night than all of them sticking together and going to one house at a time. They were trying to get as many people killed as they could in a short amount of time. So there are two types of men, one that will say go on and one that will say come on. In quote, the man who has has not the courage to say come on but advise others to go on will be found at the time of battle, perched up in some safe elevation, looking on at the destruction he has wrought, and which he hopes to profit, end quote. Nat Turner was a come-on guy, because he was among the dead in, in the end. Nat Turner knew what his calling was, and he knew he was to lead his people to freedom himself and not from afar. Turner was sacrificing himself for his people and to bring them life freedom, and equality. Nat Turner rose above the whites' power, even if only for one night. He did remain significant to his people and others still to this day. When Nat Turner was captured by a single person, he knew that God intended him to be able to tell his story through his confessions. If it had been more than one person that spotted him, he more than likely would have died at the location. Turner was hiding out near Southampton County for... 74 days after the insurrection. All the men that had been with him helping him had been hanged. After the insurrection, Turner's wife and children were protected by their slave master from the whites that wanted them dead. It's unknown if the slave master gave them to the Indians or how they survived, but they did survive the murders upon slaves following the capture of Nat Turner. Nat Turner's head was removed and given to science and the rest of his body was buried in a grave with the other prisoners near Nowata River. There is now a paved road over the old graveyard where Nat Turner and the other prisoners are buried. Nat Turner and his fellow companies covered around 20 miles of land on foot in a 22-hour time frame. They made it two miles from the armory in Jerusalem 
and had to turn back because they couldn't find a way around the Nottoway River. Following Nat Turner's rebellion, the laws that was enacted and enforced were widespread literacy among slaves, newly freed slaves, and many free black slaves in the South were illiterate at the end of the Civil War. Turner's rebellion led to new oppressive legislation prohibiting the education, movement, and assembly of slaves. The rebellion also hardened pro-slavery among the Southern whites, which led to the oppressive legislation. The anti-abolitionist convictions continued in the South until the American Civil War from 1861 to 1865. When Nat Turner was captured, he was holding on to his Bible, and today his Bible is on display at a National Museum of African American History in their collections. This museum is in Washington, D.C. and opened in 2016. Nat Turner is remembered by whites as a barbarous man, while some blacks think of him as a hero. Timothy Thomas Fortune was born into slavery in 1856, and he became a civil rights leader. The African-American Cleveland Gazette published a poem that Fortune had written about Nat Turner. Fortune believed that Turner's act of rebellion was justice for black slaves in the South. In Fortune's poem about Turner, he compares tyrants and fighting for freedom to the words of 18th century American revolutionaries. A fact is that people will see Nat Turner's rebellion differently with different opinions. Maybe Nat Turner was a freedom fighter. Maybe he was nothing but a murderer. Or maybe God spoke to him and gave him visions to carry out his fight for liberty. It's just like history. It's a matter of perspective. The list of people that were killed August 21st and 22nd, 1831 during Nat Turner's insurrection were Joseph Travis and wife and three children, Mrs. Elizabeth Turner, Hartwell Prebles, Sarah Newsom, Mrs. P. Reese and son William, Trudgen Doyle, Henry Bryant and wife and child and wife's mother, Mrs. Catherine Whitehead, son Richard and four daughters and grandchild, Salithiel Francis, Nathaniel Francis, overseer and two children, John T. Barrow, George Vaughn, Mrs. Levi Waller and ten children, William Williams, wife and two boys, Mrs. Caswell Worrell and child, Mrs. Rebecca Vaughn, Anne Eliza Vaughn and son Arthur, Mrs. John K. Williams and child, Mrs. Jacob Williams and three children, and Edwin Drury amounting to 55 people the night of the, the insurrection. Okay, so Nat Turner's Bible, like I said, it is on display today at the National Museum of Amer African American History. So that's really neat. Um, if you guys want to ever go see that, you can also pull up pictures on the web if you ever want to see it. Um, the Nat Turner poem by Timothy, Timothy Thomas Fortune that um, was written and published in the Gazette is read as, in quote, he stood erect, a man as proud as ever to a tyrant bowed, unwilling head or bent a knee, and longed while bending to be free. And oh, ere his avon features came, a shadow t'was of manly shame. I shame that he should wear a chain, and feel his manhood writhed with pain, doomed to a life of plotting toil, 
shamefully rooted to the soil. He stood erect, his eyes flushed fire, his robust form convulsed with ire. I will be free, I will be free, or fighting die a man, cried he. Virginia's bills were lit at night, the slave had risen in his might. And far and near, Nat's veil went forth to south and east and west and north. And a strong men trembled in their power, and weak men felt twas now their hour. I will be free, I will be free, or fighting die a man, cried he. The tyrant's arm was all too strong, had swayed dominion all too long. And so the hero met his end, as all who fell, as freedom's friend. The blow he struck shook slavery's throne. His cause was just, and skeptics own, and round his lowly grave soon swarmed, freedom's brave host for freedom armed. That host was swollen by Nat's kin, to fight for freedom, freedom win. Upon the soil that spurred his cry, I will be free or I will die. Let tyrants quake, and in their power, for sure will come the awful hour, when they might must give an answer why heroes in chains should basely die instead of rushing to the field and counting battle ere they yield. End quote. So that there was a poem written by Timothy Thomas Fortune that was posted in the Cleveland Gazette, November 22nd, 1884. So I will put all of my sources that I'm going to cite for this research that I have done over Nat Turner um, in my show notes. And I appreciate you guys listening to the story on Nat Turner. Um, I plan to have a lot more stories to come on slavery, um, but I also will be covering a lot of World War II and Holocaust um, moments in history. And I hope you guys come back and listen to those. They will be really good and interesting. Um, but thank you for tuning in. And I'll see you next time.